All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in. And I am back again with uh, Dave McConey. Dave, how are you doing? Good, man. Still waking up. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. This is my favorite time of the year, actually, when the autumn period kind of starts and it's not so crazy hot outside anymore, but it's still nice and sunny. Yeah, and right. It will last for about a month and then the disgusting, wet, cloudy thing starts. And <laughs> then I will hate that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like currently getting some coffee and sitting under a blanket right now. I'm actually freezing. <laughs> but yeah, it's a good time of the year in general. Yeah, honestly, I always had this thing that I thought that I prefer warm weather, but I'm pretty sure that I would enjoy living in Sweden or somewhere in Scandinavia quite a bit because this hot weather, I just, especially at night with the sleeping, it's, it's just horrible. Or you run the AC all night and then you will have a crazy huge electricity bill, which is not very nice. Um, yeah, our power went out not that long ago and it was like midsummer and i i fell asleep like you know like those handheld fans yeah just holding the fan trying to fall asleep is miserable i cannot sleep when it's that hot <laughs> yeah yeah it's rough um in other news i listened to your stan efforting interview and it was pretty good um yeah stan was uh, came across like a very nice humble guy uh actually maybe i just skipped over it but um you mentioned how uh, in retrospect, maybe you would have pushed back on a few things. The only thing I would have wondered about is what he would say about the kind of satiety uh, aspect of all of this, where basically his diet is all about kind of lower volume, uh, easily digestible foods so that people can eat a shit ton. But like, mm -hmm. what would he advise for, you know, people who, I mean, sometimes it's almost like you have to kind of take the bullet when you're dieting like okay i'm gonna be a bit more bloated and i will have some digestive right. issues but at least i'm not hungry i'm curious what he would say yeah i think I've, I've heard that complaint before that people were really hungry on the diet and that could be a problem when cutting i think in general he would say to switch to slightly more i, I guess foods i would there are similar foods but just forms that are harder to get down like so for instance he'll say when bulking up, maybe more ground beef versus when cutting, maybe more like steak, uh, maybe switching from orange juice to actual oranges, um, probably just more vegetables, less rice, things like that. Uh, that's generally what I've seen recommended. Yeah, actually, on that note, one thing I would wonder about is Mike Israel, when he was on the podcast talking about steroids, uh, we talked a bit about how these really big bodybuilders they don't really struggle with hunger like naturals do because normally the amount of food that they have to eat is making them sick. So half of mm -hmm. the diet, maybe 70% of the diet is just a relief that finally they don't have to stuff, them, stuff themselves all the time. But I would be curious, like, is that true uh, for, for most of these guys? Because it sort of violates the whole kind of energy gap principle. Like, okay, you know, maybe it's 4,000 calories and not 2,000, but if it's a thousand calorie deficit, then it should still be uncomfortable. So I'm curious how that works. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think at the start of the diet, it's certainly a nice break. Like, I mean, for me, you know, when I first started dieting back in January, it was seriously the first month. It was just such a relief. I dropped 10 pounds probably in five weeks and just not having to force food all the time was great. And then obviously after a while, the, the reality of cutting sets in and it, <laughs> it gets worse and worse over time. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, speaking of cutting, um, uh, our attempt is going to be to talk about some of the kind of craziest things that we have done due to our fitness goals or 
some of the negative repercussions of our of chasing our fitness goals as much as we did and um yeah i have some stuff written down for myself uh and i think i experienced some low points about this but first of all just a quick question for you dave <laughs> oh you're just yep. muted yourself so maybe it's not the right time um Quick question. Uh, top 15 muscle building mistakes. Uh, go. Just kidding. I've actually got a top 20 if we've got time. <laughs> okay. And in reverse order, please. So start with... <laughs> reverse alphabetical order. Yeah. Yeah. St start with biggest mistake and with smallest mistake. No. Um, I've got a whole pyramid going. Yeah. So um, in a general sense, um, I don't know. If you look back at your kind of fitness journey... Would you say that overall it had kind of a, a positive impact on you psychologically if you look at the whole thing, like area under the curve, well-being? Or would you say it was kind of a balance of the negative and the positive? Because I'm sort of struggling with that myself sometimes. I mean, certainly the whole thrill of how big can I get this year? How lean can I get this time? That was always exciting and it was always nice to have that goal. And certainly I enjoyed training. But man, if especially for the first couple of years, if I just add up all the neuroses and and all of that stuff which I had to deal with, right. I, I don't know if it's it's if it's a net positive to be honest. Like now, it's a net positive that I did all of those things because I think I have a a better life quality all, all in all, and certainly I'm enjoying the results. But man, I gave myself a really hard time, needlessly for a really long time. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two aspects to look at. So for one. It's like one of those things they say, you know, more money doesn't make you happier after a certain point, right? And I mean, that's, yeah, that's actually, there's actually research showing that that maybe is not the case and that, and that generally speaking, people with more money are happier. But let's assume that that's largely true. There's kind of a saying of like, you know, maybe that's the case, but I'd rather be crying in a mansion, right? Yeah. And so it's like, and, and I would say that for myself, it's like, you know, maybe I'm not happier because of like xyz thing but i'm still glad that it's the case right and, and so when it comes to like lifting if i never got into it you know like we've even said that with steroids are people who take steroids any happier or, or more satisfied with their physique than people who don't take steroids it's like I, I really don't know if they are i mean they're often still chasing after goals still disappointed still just neurotic with it now you could then argue though would they be even less happy you know and i think that comes to like with lifting i think like you and i and, and a lot of people we know we're just as neurotic about some of these lifting things and our bodies and everything as people who don't really work out that much you know as far as like how happy we are with our physiques and whatnot but maybe with our personality types we'd be even less happy if we never got into it i have no idea um it's really hard to say i, I look at somebody like my brother as an example and it's kind of funny, he, before he was lifting, he really thought he had this amazing body and he was just super skinny, but he was lean. And he's certainly, I don't think he's any happier <laughs> or content with his physique now, even though he has a much more impressive build. I think Dom Mazzetti in his uh, bro science video says like, the day you start lifting is the day you'll never be satisfied again, <laughs> which has some truth to it. So um, I'm certainly very happy that I have you know, gotten into the lifting lifestyle. Obviously, there's a ton of health benefits from exercise in general, but uh, I don't know if I would say like it's maybe more content overall, but it's definitely something I'm glad I do. Yeah, actually, uh, one thing that comes to mind from that is um, 
when did you have that first moment or when did you have that thought ever that, okay, I'm actually at this point definitely in much better shape than the average person around me where, okay, if I go out to the beach with my buddies or something, I will definitely be the guy in the best shape. I mean, it's funny because you and I had some conversations about Mm -hmm. this privately, and uh, I think you're a lot more critical with yourself than I am with myself on that front, or maybe what I think you should be. And maybe you actually have some friends that are in really good shape. But uh, yeah, so how did you experience that? Yeah, yeah, we we did talk about that. And, and I don't know if it's also maybe like the difference in like, you know, what countries we're in. But I feel like if I go to the beach, I am not confident that I would be like, you know, one of the best bodies or anything like that. Like I have a decent physique, especially like when leaner, but it's really not like, I mean, at six one and, you know, right now, like 190 pounds, it's just, I wouldn't say that that's like stand out really at all. And that's not even me trying to be really critical of myself. It's just, you know, again, we've talked about like when you just have clothes on, most natural bodybuilders look kind of normal. And when you're really lean, you can look kind of skinny. Um, I have maybe two friends, maybe just one friend who really looks impressive, I would say, like when we're at the beach. Um... But as far as when I at least got to the point where I'm like, okay, this is significantly above what the average person is, I would probably say when I was like 22, 23, um, I just started dental school. So I was probably already like eight or nine years into lifting at that point. And yeah, probably, yeah, about eight or nine. And when I had, you know, you go to a new location, so you meet all these new people. And like when we'd be out at the bars and stuff, I'd have people like complimenting me or like girls grab my arms or things like that, where I was like, okay, like that's not just happening to like everybody else, you know? So um, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, that was like I said, eight years into lifting, which in large part is because I started so young. I mean, the average person would probably hit that within a couple of years of lifting. Yeah. I mean, I think the countries definitely factor in. I think the, um, there is probably a correlation between how advanced the country is or how developed it is and how far the fitness industry has come. Uh, there are mm-hmm. exceptions to that. So I think, I mean, I don't know how advanced Bulgaria is, for example, com- compared to Macedonia, which is where I live, but Bulgaria has a huge fitness scene and probably also a very good genetic pool. Like uh, I was on that conference where I even gave a talk and Man, some of those guys, um, I mean, you know, of course, the steroid thing could also be an option. But in some cases, I was 100% convinced that the person was not using anything. And man, some of those, it's insane. I even have some pictures with some of them. It's just ridiculous. But so I think Macedonia is probably a good like eight to 10 years behind the US, for example. So Hungary, where I'm from, I think that's like maybe four or five years behind the US. And then Macedonia Mm -hmm. is maybe eight to 10 Uh, which is evident by, I just went to a store the other day and I saw that they had keto crackers and that, that just arrived. I've never seen anything like this before here. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure you guys had that in 2010 or something already. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of keto stuff for quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so probably the fitness scene is a lot more advanced there but i just had this thing where i went to this music festival and it was by a lake here and so i saw a lot of people just you know walk around on the beach and i was i was shocked like a lot of people were 
it's not just that they were like fat or overweight or obese or whatever. It's, you know, they had that kind of unhealthy look about them where mm-hmm. I looked at them and man, like you should do something about that. Like this is, <laughs> this, this might get you into diabetes really fast. Right. Uh, that was pretty scary. So that's kind of the, one of the first moments when I realized like, okay, like there's, there's like worlds separating me from kind of the average person on that front. But mm-hmm. maybe that was a skewed perception. But for a long time, when I was 22, 23, I had that thought a lot of times that, man, I'm working a little bit too hard for the difference that I can present, you know, between myself and these people. Like all these guys around me, they are not working out at all. And they look like really similar to me. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's just that I was a slow burner or I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I also just think like there's that huge range of kind of just looking normal. Like I have friends who really don't lift that much at all. I mean, my brother took like months off with the pandemic and everything. I have another friend who took off. And it's like, yeah, if, if we were working out together and we were shirtless, I would look, I guess, significantly better than them. But when we're just all hanging out, like we had like a picnic recently, like a barbecue. And I mean, in clothes, like you, you just don't look that different. And, and, you know, we kind of talked about that before as far as like naturals in the community. You know, when we went, you said you went to like a conference and most people just weren't, you know, they didn't like really stand out. And I think that's just kind of the reality of like, if you're, if you're not going to use drugs or you don't have great genetics, like most of the time, you're kind of going to look like a normal person. You know, it's hard to see that difference in clothes. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, anyway, so uh, back to our topic. So crazy things that we did. So I don't know how you thought about this. Do you have like different themes that you collected these or you just have like a couple of stories like how did you go about this uh, i thought it was just more not like themes so much just like over the years things where i look back and i'm like i mean some of them i i think why did i do that and some of them i think i would do that again because that's just kind of how i am with this stuff you know i usually don't like to go halfway and that's maybe been a problem at times but that's just kind of how i am all right, then maybe you can go with the first one and then i'll i'll go with my first yeah i mean i don't know if this would be this is one that I've referenced before, and I, I don't know if I'd call it crazy. It's one of those things where if I became like a top pro or something, people would look back at this story and be like, wow, like he was dedicated. But because I didn't, <laughs> it just looks stupid. So like through high school, um, you know, again, motivated at a very young age. So even like 13, 14 years old. I got up at 5 a.m. every morning with my dad because I couldn't couldn't go to the gym otherwise. Like I didn't have a license yet. So I would get up at 5 a.m., including on the weekends. And so if my friends were going out on like, let's say a Friday night, I remember having, being out, like kind of just cruising around town with my brother, who's a couple years older, so he was able to drive. A couple of our friends, you know, had like girls in the car. And instead of just being like a normal teenager and like, you know, trying to hang out, I would have him drop me off at the house at 9 p.m. so that I could get to sleep and have my eight hours so I could get up at 4.45 to mix my protein shake for the 5 a.m. workout with my dad. And it's one of those things where it's like, I'm proud of my young self for having that dedication. And I was very goal-driven. But that is not something that I would have done again because what was the point? Like, It really took away a lot of my social time in high school and that's like something i've you know anybody who's listened to my podcast a lot knows that i kind of preach that of like incorporating into your life in a better way and that's that really took away like you said was i happier 
you know, at the start of this podcast, am I, are we happier because we do it? And I'm sure that I had a worse experience throughout most of my high school years because I was that obsessed with it. But like I said, if, if I became the next Phil Heath or the, the natural equivalent of it, you know, people would say like that would be this grand story of how great it was that I did that and how dedicated I was. But I think for 99% of people, stuff like that, it's like, man, it's like, I'm proud of you for doing that. But like, you're, you're really kind of going nuts with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I think that is an unfortunate thing about fitness. And I actually had an Instagram post about this uh, some time ago that fitness is kind of unfortunate in that way that it's a very kind of vanity focused pursuit. Like basically, unless you're, like you said, you're going to be making tons of money from this in some way, society probably rightfully so just looks at it as, okay, the best case scenario that can come out of this is that you will be much more muscular and leaner than the average person, which is kind of a, Mm -hmm. a shallow goal in some way. So if you're just doing that out of passion and you're making these sacrifices and missing out on social events, then you're kind of being viewed as ridiculous more so than anything else. Whereas if you did the same thing in, let's say you were studying for something, or maybe at that time you were maybe learning a language or whatever, and you were really dedicated to put in X hours into that, or maybe you were working on a business idea and you were making no sacrifices for that in other areas, um, then, you know, like then people would be looking at that as, wow, that's, that's really amazing. Like he's doing the right thing. Like all of us should learn from this person, but because it's fitness and whatever, it's kind of looked down upon. It's it's kind of unfair in a way. To some degree. I mean, I I think in general, there is an admiration for people who really work at like staying fit and having exercise and health as part of their life. Um, if anything, I, I would say it's, it's more so with that, with health and fitness. Like I think people, the, the average person, I think, appreciates somebody who's like getting after it with their health um, and maybe not so much like with the vanity. I think there is just less to show for in my case. Like you mentioned, like if you did that with studying and I did that with studying as well, you know, and the difference was like I had a lot to show for that. You know, I mean, I graduated pretty much the top of my class through high school, college, like and, you know, and now I have a career to show for it and, and have those results. Whereas with lifting, you, we've talked before about how your input really often does not match your output in terms of results for yourself and especially compared to other people. Yeah. And I also think it's an age thing. So I think if say a 40 year old guy does that or a 50 year old guy, then that's admired a lot more. Whereas um, Mm -hmm. even if they, even if the person doesn't have amazing results to show for that. So if you see a 50 year old person who is in moderately good shape, looks nothing like a fitness influencer or whatever maybe doesn't even have a six-pack and then does that it's like wow he is he's an he should be an example for all of us whereas i think good physiques and fitness and all of these things when you're younger so you know around 20 you know college years those sorts of things i think fitness is looked at something as it's good if you have it it's great if you look awesome but if it requires a lot of effort, then it's not very attractive anymore. <laughs> yeah, to some degree. Yeah. yeah. I actually specifically remember uh, someone saying that. Uh, yeah, it was a girl that I really liked. And we had this conversation. And that's, that's where I started to kind of develop for a period of time this kind of inner grudge uh, <laughs> where I, 
I, I viewed the world as sort of this mean place where there is no place for people like me who is really dedicated about fitness. Because the girl said, yeah, there is this guy and he showed me a, uh, she showed me a picture. I like him, but yeah, I mean, and he had like a really good body. So I was like, oh, wow, he, he looks pretty good. And she was like, yeah, yeah, but he's like really into it. And I don't know if it requires a lot of effort. It's, it's not that attractive anymore. And I'm like, what a fucked up thing to say. Wow. <laughs> I wonder if that's also, again, going back to the uh, location. Because I, I feel like, especially nowadays, that like most Americans, like at that age, like, you know, like the late teens, early 20s, the whole fitness thing is like a really big thing here now. But maybe, like you said, you're like kind of like 10 years behind. I feel like in the past, maybe that was the case. You know, girls would kind of talk shit on guys who cared that much about it and now i feel like it's almost the standard oh man that would be a better place to be <laughs> yeah just wait 10 15 years you'll get there <laughs> actually this story that i said was in new zealand um but i think they're always like they're behind in a different way i think it's just a different <laughs> different mentality i think logistically and all of those things they are pretty close to the u.s in many ways mm-hmm. but yeah, anyway so my first one so i basically categorized my things in kind of th- three different periods in my life, which I would kind of consider to be low points in terms of fitness. And the first one is maybe not the most exciting, but uh, I think it's important to mention this because I I think it's good to know where we come from. And maybe you, you will have some similar story. So I had my kind of zealot slash dogmatic kind of arrogant phase in fitness Mm -hmm. where I actually started out, like I said before, as a kind of low carb keto zealot. That was my first exposure to the whole fitness scene. So initially I started out following Mark Sisson's work, you know who is right? Uh, Primal blueprint, um, paleo guy. Yeah, I know the name. Um, then I got into Dave Asprey Bulletproof Diet, which is it might be the <laughs> yeah yeah might be the worst of all of uh, to to my in my defense when I started following him he wasn't as cringy as he is now, so okay. that was at least a good thing. Um, John Kiefer car backloading, so the, it it gets worse from here. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gary Taubes, uh, I was also like really hooked on his stuff, and so the thing with these people, which a lot of people into the evidence-based kind of fitness sphere don't realize, is that if you don't have a decent kind of foundation in terms of fitness knowledge and fitness science knowledge, you don't know the basics, then these people are incredibly, incredibly, incredibly compelling because they are very well-spoken. They are pretty charismatic. Uh, they are very good verbally. And I mean, of course, now it's clear to see, which I didn't see at the time, that they talk a lot, they speak a lot, but they say very little. So there's pretty little substance behind what they are saying. But uh, but it, but it can be very compelling. It's very easy to be convinced by them. And essentially, the whole thing is a conspiracy theory, almost that they build the whole thing on. So yes, this is the simple science. Insulin does these things. That's what it's making us fat and it's also the root cause of all kinds of diseases and but doctors don't want to say this and anyway the sugar <laughs> industry is funding these people and we cannot talk about this publicly and if you go to a doctor and you talk about ketosis and this and that they will have no idea what you're talking about and I, at one point i was basically able to just tell you the whole their entire speech i could just say the whole thing 
you know, by heart. Yeah. I was I was so hooked on them. I was always listening. That's actually how my English got as good as it, it is now because I was listening to these guys' podcasts and stuff all the time. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, and I just developed this incredibly massive amount of arrogance inside of me because of that. So I would be ready to give a lecture to anybody who was saying something about nutrition that I didn't agree with. I don't know. I in college, I had classmates, I don't know, some girl who was complaining about, yeah, I cannot lose weight, I have these struggles, and I would be like, well, you know, this is your problem, and I would be just telling, giving, <laughs> yeah, it was it was awful. Uh, possibly the worst thing that I did at that time was, um, so in New Zealand, I had this flatmate, she just moved in at the, at the time, and I just came home, and she was sitting at the, whatever, in the living room at the table, just messing around on her phone. We introduced ourselves and whatever, what do you do? And she was studying to be a dietitian and she was fairly overweight. And I, because I had this arrogance in me and I was listening to these guys for so long, I got so annoyed immediately that this girl is overweight and she's going to be the one who is teaching people about nutrition. Mm -hmm. And this is horrible. And I just asked, like, right away, so, like, would you say that you're, you are where you want to be, you know, <laughs> in, in terms of your, like, fitness and health and whatever? And, like, I could see the girl, she reacted pretty well to it, but I could see that I pretty much destroyed him with that sentence. And I thought that was completely acceptable. I was, um, I was like, yeah, of course, like, this is what you do. You're being honest. Like, this is how it, things are. And now I'm looking back at it and, man, like, how could I think that that was okay? Like Jesus Christ. I remember when I was in, I think also a freshman in high school and you know, there was like the football team and you know, a lot of like big Jack guys and the coach was really big. And I had just started a, you know, Bill stars five by five. Well, I know five by five, but isn't it uh, like, Oh no, that's five, three, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the mad cow. It's, it's like that. Yeah. So, um, but Bill Starr, I mean, he was actually known as like, you know, he like trained football teams and everything. So I remember almost like going to the coach and as like a 130 pound, like six foot at the time kid and telling them that like they should use this program. And the thing is, like in, in reality, that program was probably better than whatever they were doing. You know, I mean, it, Bill Starr was, like I said, like kind of a legend and trained football teams. But I think just like the audacity of this 130 pound 14 year old going to like an experienced football coach with, you know, this huge team of guys and be like, you know what, you're doing your workouts wrong. This is what you should be doing. I'm like, I'm so glad I stopped myself from doing that. Just like how embarrassing that would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Um, <laughs> but the... The worst thing about it is, so I, it's not just the arrogance towards other people, but I was so entrenched in that whole dogma that I didn't even admit to myself how I was feeling. So I actually, like I told you before, I didn't do really well on low carb at all. It's not, mm -hmm. my workouts were fine. I never noticed a big difference there, but my hunger levels were not very well managed. Uh, energy levels were not very good. And also, for example, fasting. So I was, I was doing intermittent fasting basically for three years in some form all the time. And um, for a period of time, actually, I had a four-hour eating window every single day. I did that for like a year. Oh, wow. And, um, and it was... Um, 
it was horrible, honestly. I was basically from noon onwards, I was counting the minutes until it was finally 4 p.m. because then I could go home oh, okay. and I gave myself basically unlimited access to food in that time time window and because i was eating low carb and you know calories don't matter <laughs> so and then if i had to stay in college for a bit longer then it was horrible because oh my god now i'm getting home even later so that was really shit and honestly i never did that well on fasting like i like having a breakfast yeah. and it was so hard to let go of that eventually but and I was insisting on that at all costs. I remember I had to help out on this um, construction site. So we were moving an apartment, basically. So I was lifting heavy, carrying heavy stuff up and down the stairs and whatever. And I would still not eat until like 2 p.m. or something. And I almost passed out. It was, uh, yeah, it's crazy. But anyway, so that that's my origins, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't think I actually knew all those details. I, mean, I knew to an extent, but not to that degree. Yeah. And, and honestly, since then, I'm really trying my best to not get too confident about anything that I say. So which will prevent me from being maybe as appealing on YouTube, for example, because I will not be making crazy claims. Mm -hmm. But I, I just learned such a hard lesson because I was so embarrassed in front of a lot of those people that are you know, still my friends to this day in front right. of my family. Like my mother was following everything that I told her oh, <laughs> to really? the T. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so what, what's next for you on the list? I think in part, this is one of those things that, I mean, we talked about this in a private message, just that the extent to which I had taken things, even compromising my health. And unfortunately, like I said, I, I do have some health issues that the average person just doesn't have to deal with. But one is like some pretty severe GI issues and just not wanting to let go of the whole like size game and still trying to push even though i kind of knew that it was over you know that like after 15 years it was kind of done um and literally so the last time i had kind of i guess if you want to call it bulked up and i got up to about like 210 and i really like of may of 2019 maybe even a little bit before that i was like really over it like i wanted to be done with it but i just thought like let me just try to hold on to this as long as possible so for a whole year, I mean, I was force feeding down probably 3,600 to 4,000 calories, which in the past actually would not have really seemed that hard at all. Like to say force feeding, that, that's like not that many calories. Um, but with my GI issues, it made it really difficult. And I remember a story where Eric Helms mentioned that he made his whole meal and he threw up but he didn't want to lose the cal. <laughs> this is like disgusting. He didn't want to lose the calories, so mm -hmm. he threw up in a bowl, and then he chugged it, which is like un <laughs> unbelievably gross. Um, so I, I don't know. Do you do you believe that story completely? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he has a reason to lie. I mean, it, maybe maybe it was like not a lot, but um, yeah. But when I thought about that, I was like, you know, I don't know if this is like the equivalent of that, but I have had it where, well, I had food poisoning about a year ago, which was god awful. And I just like continue to eat this like food that had gone bad because like I didn't want to get rid of it. And I severely paid the consequences for that. Um, but then another time, similar time frame, I was like having like really bad GI distress. And I remember literally like just being on the toilet, just shitting out my last meal while eating my next meal. Because I was just like, <laughs> like literally being on the toilet, just eating my next meal because I was like, well, I got to get these calories in. And the, just like the amount of 
distress and just stress I was causing on my body was probably very counterproductive. Um, and I, I think since then I've kind of decided like that's just, it's just not possible anymore. Like I just, I would not be able to bulk up to max weights, but that was probably one of the most extreme I've gone in terms of damaging to my health at all costs, just trying to do whatever I could. Wow. That's, um, and were you in like a time rush or why couldn't you wait until you got off the toilet? <laughs> um, a lot of times it was, yeah. Like if it was like, I'm getting ready in the morning or something like that. And you know, I've got to like go somewhere and it's just like, <laughs> I like thinking back, like, honestly, it wasn't even like that, like in the morning, it was just like, well, I got to take a shit and I got to get the shakedown before I go to work or whatever. And yeah, just, just not, not a fun time. How was your relationship with food at that time? Because, um, I don't know. I, I would imagine if I did things like that on a regular basis, I would be pretty disgusted just by the thought of eating food. But. Yeah, well, that's why it was so easy to cut. I mean, like when I, so that period where I just stayed at like 210 was probably from January of 2019 to about January of 2020. And maybe like a little bit longer than that. So when I finally cut, I mean, the first six weeks were probably the easiest cut of my life because all I had to do was just not continue force feeding. And I went, I dropped probably, like I said, 10 pounds in six weeks or so. Um, and then after that, for me at this point, like I just like around 190 to 195 is a very nice medium where it's like, I can kind of eat what I want and the hunger just reacts to that. And so it's just, it's, it's much more comfortable, obviously getting down to like 180. That's when I'm really food focused and the relationship with food is bad in the other direction. Um, though I would still say I might prefer that over, you know, just chronically feeling disgusting. And, and again, it's a little different for me compared to the average person because of my like actual GI issues. But yeah, it, it, I definitely didn't want to eat very often. Yeah, actually, that's what I wanted to ask is, you know, 4,000 calories even. I mean, it's not that much if you distribute that over a 16-hour waking period or so. So, like, is it the case that because of, you know, GI issues and stuff, when you ate a normal size meal, you just started feeling, like, nauseous from it? Or how was that? Um, it wasn't so much nauseous. It's, you know, like, pretty severe cramps. Um, and just like other issues, like I said, I mean, I actually have like inflammation going on. So it's not like the typical person who just feels full. I mean, fullness can suck. But like, if I think back to like high school, the only time I really ever had a hard time getting calories down was when I did keto bulking. So yeah, like 4,000 calories of just keto and like drinking olive oil and stuff like that, that we've talked about. Yeah, that was, that was pretty gross. Um, but generally it was not so much like fullness that was the issue itself but like actual like pain and like increased inflammation anybody who's ever had like severe visceral pain compared to like an external pain knows that it can get pretty significant um so i i mean i really at some point just like wasn't able to function at work and you know i'd have to like go to the bathroom several times a day it's just like i can't really do my job like that because obviously like, i'm seeing patients all day so you know there's it's very infrequent that you'd have like, okay, I can just take 10 minutes to do something like you have to go to this room and this room. It's, you know, for, as far as a quality of life thing, I mean, it, it was definitely having a significant impact in a negative way. Right. Right. Um, actually, since you brought up the keto bulk, I actually always wanted to ask you this on a, on a live call. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned drinking olive oil. So I never did a uh, keto bulk, but uh, like, why, why do you have to resort to those things? Are there not like tastier stuff that you can eat on a keto bulk, which would be a bit more enjoyable? Yeah, I remember you give me shit for this before. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think so at the time, I mean, I could literally probably pull up my old like logs from that time and look at the calories, but actually, if you, I don't know if you want to like pause the recording here. I'm actually going to look that up real quick just to see. All right. So back then this was like the times of two grams per pound of body weight. And so yeah, I had specific ratios. So honestly, I don't even know if I was in ketosis because I, my protein was so high, but like I'm looking at the calories here. So 3,900 calories. 350 grams of protein and keep in mind i'm like 150 pounds at the time so 350 grams of protein had to keep carbs under 50 so that was a big thing right and 245 grams of fat so going through like the diet just like looking at here i mean I, it was way too high of protein and so like you know you could say well why did you just eat more peanut butter i mean for the first time in my life peanut butter became disgusting which i normally love um, it, it was rare that I was drinking olive oil. Usually I would just cook it in olive oil. So, you know, I'd have like five ounces of chicken breast, cooking it in like several tablespoons of, of uh, olive oil, and then I'd have peanut butter with more olive oil. Um, I mean, it wasn't like I was constantly drinking it, but like there was just, there had to be so much fat. I'd mix in oil with like whole eggs or even just like egg yolks. I was doing a lot of, um, and the diet itself was just really boring. I mean, it was just constantly meat and oil meat and eggs i mean it's just a very undesirable diet to try to bulk up on yeah because i'm thinking like let's say i did a four thousand calorie bulk on keto and then i would make a breakfast out of maybe you know four eggs a decent amount of cheese and some bacon which is mm -hmm. maybe not the healthiest thing that you can do uh maybe a bit too much saturated fat just in that one meal so probably you want to be a bit more balanced but still with some tomatoes i mean that, that's a pretty sweet meal and probably a thousand calories already just in there and um yeah this was also the period where i was very strict on the types of food i was eating as well so like in hindsight it's like why don't you just have steak or ground beef or even like like i said like bacon or something like that so i was eating instead of having any fatty meats it was like chicken and a ton of olive oil like that was just all i was doing like i guess eggs would be like the fattiest protein i was eating but for whatever reason i just like i wasn't having any ground beef i wasn't having any processed meats um, which is maybe a, a better for my health but i'm just saying like i i was eating as bland of foods as you could really eat <laughs> yeah yeah uh all right actually i really want to try this uh one time but um yeah i i will do a keto bulk one time it's it's in it's on my bucket list try it for like a week and see how you like it i actually had a keto when i was like kind of doing carnivore and, and keto during my cut i had a keto refeed of and it was like eight thousand calories um but that included like those keto protein bars and things like that and actually it was kind of amazing by the end of the day i had had something like 300 grams of carbs because all of these you know they'll be marketed as like net carbs. So my net carbs were probably like a hundred, but all these different products, they have all this like random crap in it. That's like sugar alcohols and things like that. Um, but despite having 300 grams of total carbs, I was actually still in ketosis at the end of the day because I had like 700 grams of fat yeah. <laughs> and like 500 grams of protein. It was actually fairly enjoyable because I was so hungry. Um, but I don't think I could have gotten nearly that many calories if I wasn't having, you know, like whipped cream from heavy cream and like protein bars and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I would just intuitively think that's basically how 
easily you will gain weight on a keto diet will just be a function of how liberal you are with cheese and then after that maybe like nuts and and nut butters and things like that which i mean mm -hmm. if you want to be like pretty strict keto then the carbs will be a problem in those no question because you will probably still want right. to eat some vegetables and things like that so it will add up totally yeah anyway so all right so my next one is sort of the next uh, kind of low point in in my life and that's basically the whole kind of binge eating uh, disordered eating kind of theme and that to me i don't exactly know where to date that probably when i really got into the whole health stuff that's when i just generally developed this pattern of wanting to eat more so alone and um, having these meals be this nice ritual where it's just me and I'm putting something nice on and I'm focusing on that. And for a while it was great. And then um, after some point, I, I started to notice that, okay, I, kind of my whole day is revolving around that, but I, I didn't mind it for a long time. Um, but then by the time I was basically when I got really lean the first time, of course, that was a really big help in <laughs> further developing that tendency. Right. So, yeah, and that was when I was 22, 22 to 23. That's where I got to like single digit body fat the first time. And uh, after that, I definitely started to have these things where it was not just overeating, but it's overeating with that you know, when you feel that you're not in control of things anymore. So I can give a couple of examples. So one really kind of comical story that I have on that is I told you this story in private, but maybe you forgot about it. So I was dating this girl when uh, I was 23 and mm -hmm. she had her birthday and I ordered this cake from a pastry shop with her name on it. And she came over for the weekend and I was <laughs> greeting her with that cake and we spent the weekend together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then um, she lived like far away from me. So we only met for the weekends and stuff. And when she was leaving, I could kind of tell that she forgot about that cake. <laughs> and, and immediately my brain went, oh my God, maybe she's going to leave that cake here and I'm going to eat that whole thing because she didn't even touch it. Like it was still the whole thing was there and it looked amazing. And then literally I could not even focus on, I'm not going to see her for at least another week or something. It's, these are the last moments, whatever, saying goodbye. I was like, just get the fuck out, get the fuck out. I want to eat that cake. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, she stepped out the door, got in the car and I watched her leave. And I still waited for like another half an hour because like maybe she could still realize that she left it here. So let's wait until she's in safe distance. Could you imagine and she comes back after half an hour and you just got that cake like all over your face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was that was my nightmare. So I really made sure that that's not going to happen. And um yeah, so I, I started devouring that whole thing. And honestly, it wasn't even that good. It was like way too thick. So you had like two bites and you started feeling nauseous from it, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking back, it's hilarious and sad and just absurd in every way. Um, but that, that, that was a really messed up time looking back. So the thing that I got really wrong with kind of managing my eating psychology is that I was strict all throughout the week. And then I kind of used the time that I spent with her as a time where I could kind of let go and, you know, mm -hmm. be a bit more loose. And that was kind of my two cheat days, basically. So I was just going with her wherever, restaurants, buffets, we would be having good food. 
But um, because of that, basically, I was not even focusing on her eventually. I was just so preoccupied with the food. Mm -hmm. So we would go to a restaurant and I would not even enjoy the whole experience because I would be just obsessed with, oh, my God, what what more can we get? And uh, she would be like, yeah, just let's have something. I was like, no, 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 that's not enough. Let's have something more. And it was just completely pathological. Um, And yeah, one one other really bad thing was so we were in this restaurant and at first, we sat down to this nice place, like the fireplace was behind us. It was really nice. It has this really nice vibe. And I was like, okay, this is going to be great. We are going to be having great food. And then she didn't like that place, so she wanted to sit somewhere else. And then we ended up sitting next to this family. And, you know, like the mother was like breastfeeding the kid. The kid was like making a huge mess, yelling, screaming. And I got so pissed that she ruined this nice experience for me by sitting next to this family that I just started to, I don't know what I did, but probably I was making some really obvious faces, kind of expressing how much I'm not approving (laughs) of this whole thing. And eventually the family ended up leaving and my girlfriend was like destroyed, so embarrassed because uh, she said that the woman was so distressed by me being so upset that they ended up leaving. And looking back, it's just like, my goodness, <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. It's like uh, talking about a different person. And, and that's, that's what this whole dieting and um, messed up relationship with food can do to you, literally. Like you turn, turn yourself inside out, you turn into a different person. It's just, just insane. Um, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think that's somewhat common with a lot of people. Like it just changes your, I mean, everybody knows the term hangry. And it, it really just changes who you are and like your rationality. I mean, it's, it's like a, almost like a primal thing. Like when you just don't have something for a long time, you know, like you said, it, it makes you almost have a different personality. And it sounds like from some of the stories you've told me that you've, it's something that was pretty significant in your past that you've had to deal with. So yeah. obviously it's something like you've learned over time, but it's not uncommon at all in the industry. Yeah. And one thing I want people to realize is that it's not the case. So basically, where I date my kind of redemption from all of this is around 2017. And I would say that since then, I so I did not binge at all since then. I can say that confidently. Now, that doesn't mean that I never overate. I never ate more than I should have. Of course I did. But what I really made a strong point in is just not having that kind of loss of control. I have no agency over this whole thing anymore. So since then, if I overeat, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to overeat now and I'm going to enjoy it. And then also I'm not allowing myself to go to that place mentally where I'm like, okay, this is my my one last chance to have all the crap that I want. But from tomorrow onwards, it's it's back to being like all tidy and nicely managed. So I'm like, no, I'm going to enjoy this. And tomorrow, no, I'm not going on a diet tomorrow. We will see what happens tomorrow. I'm going to enjoy this as much as I want and then whatever, moving on. And mm-hmm. I think that's... That to me is like a really big key. Uh, I, I think for most people, that's something that they have to let go of this, um, you know, this last dinner or last supper <laughs> effect, which um, oh yeah sets you up. I don't know. Did you have, I mean, I know that you had some stuff like this, but probably not to the extent that I dealt with this. But uh, does any of this sound familiar to you? Well, I'd say it's very, very relatable. The whole like, this is my chance kind of mindset. And that's something I've heard from other people as well. But that's, I mean, there's so many times where people, including myself, will eat more than they actually even want because like this is their time, right? I mean, and unfortunately that's, 
I think we're, people have gotten away from that now to some degree, at least in the evidence-based industry as far as like cheat days and things like that. Um, but man, I look back on even like Body for Life when I first got started, there was like a Saturday, it was like your free day, you could eat whatever you wanted. Um, and you know, you know, to be a 13 year old kid and saving food from like Tuesday so that you could eat it Saturday, it was, I mean, obviously just ridiculous, you know, like writing things down of what you're going to have. Um, it was just, again, kind of ridiculous and getting to the point where it's like, you know, I'm full, but this is my day to do it. And then eating way more than you need. So then you have to make up for it the next day. And, and then that starts this cycle is really not healthy. Obviously, like physically, it's not healthy, but it, from a mental standpoint, your mindset, it's really not good. So um, that part is, is very relatable. And even now, I mean, I think we talked about this before, but any time you have a restriction of something at one point and an indulgence at another, you're going to create a dynamic that has you focused on it. And so you could see that on a short-term scale with intermittent fasting, right? You are not allowed to eat during this period. So during this other period, you can eat whatever you want. You could see this on a kind of like medium scale of refeeds, right? Where, okay, I'm not going to eat. And you know, you and I talk about this with my refeed method now that I'm really going to be switching because of this. Because it's like, you know, you have three low days, one high day, but those high days are pretty large. Well, in those three days, you're going to focus on it. And that one high day, it's kind of like, well, this is my chance again same mentality and you could see that on a macro scale of you know people who are doing contest preps or large diets where it's like oh once it's done i'll eat whatever i want you know they do a 12 24 whatever week diet and then this is now their time to eat and they go overboard and it's something that you know it doesn't mean that you should never have a restriction in calories or food intake but when you have it set up like that you're going to often create a focus on it and you know you see that with people who even like us who are experienced and can often be objective about it, that still happens. So it's definitely relatable. Yeah, I think um, the main thing there is just whatever you... So basically restricting something is one thing, but then allowing it to be there periodically, I think that necessarily puts that food on a pedestal. So for example, I, I have that with certain things which I'm allowing myself to eat sometimes but not other times i definitely crave those regularly but peanut butter because i didn't have that for so long i mean god i think the last time i had peanut butter would have been in 2017 like april or, or something like that really yeah 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 and um and, and honestly i don't i mean i could i guess recall how it tastes and smells but i'm not i don't have you know, I, I go weeks without even thinking about it. And even when I think about it, it's usually when I'm making a video, making an example <laughs> be, uh, on on that. But Do you not eat it because you don't think you'd like it as much anymore or because it was like a trigger food? Uh, yeah, because it was a trigger food. And it's just... And the thing is, so for example, oatmeal was a, was a big culprit for me. Uh, I don't know why. It's, it's, it's kind of weird now that I'm eating it regularly because actually it is pretty filling. It is definitely not as filling as as like vegetables or something right, sure. i'm guessing because the texture is is smooth and kind of nice and basically the palatability to say 
like satiation ratio is not as favorable whereas when you have enough vegetables you really had enough like you don't you don't think about that afterwards like oh it would be so nice to have even more vegetables but you can be kind of still not hungry like you're still pretty full from the previous meal but if it was pretty tasty you're like eh, i could have more of that so i have a little bit of that with oatmeal but um you know like the damage is not that big if you overeat it's pretty calorie dense compared to something like fruit or vegetables but i mean peanut butter god damn it like uh you know 600 calories per 100 gram like if you overdo that like you create a lot of damage really fast so that's why i was like nah right. this is um i'm playing with the fire here so it's easier for me to just cut it out and then later on where i felt like i was safe i did not feel the need to reincorporate that so that's why i just didn't have it yeah um anyway you want to go for um number three i believe Sure. I mean, this is kind of on the same, this is probably the last one I, I really have is in my mind, which is when you kind of just touched on with your girl in the past. And this was, I think the way we started talking about this podcast, like to do this one <laughs> was when I sent you a voice message, maybe two weeks ago, um, on when I kind of had that, where I had a planned refeed and I went to go get some food and it was food that like it first of all it wasn't like it was something i hadn't had before it wasn't like this really unique thing but when i went it was it was taken out of the fridge i basically i thought it was going to be there and it wasn't and it was already eaten and i remember just getting like <laughs> like way too upset now again this is like relatively close to being post diet so there's still some significant food focus but i think the way i was going about these refeeds naturally increased my focus on food and so it was way bigger of a deal than it should have been and you like look at that i mean that's why i messaged you because i was like dude like this is not <laughs> like this is a problem like and it, it is always interesting i think the reason these podcasts can be good is because it's it's relatable to people where it's like look like just because you know we might be coaching people and we might have good advice doesn't mean that we're always 100 percent on point with that right like we're gonna have times where we see ourselves and like we're disappointed with our body image for example or we have too much focus on food and even if we have the answer which i think in the majority of cases we do when it comes to these sort of things it doesn't you know you can't you can know something's the case and it doesn't necessarily prevent it from happening. You know what I mean? I mean, you can look at this in like social instances as well. You know, you could say, well, all right, you know, I'm going to use this loud voice here. And even though like, you know, it's coming, you know, like they're going to say, if they like yell at you, you might still feel that intimidation, even though they're literally telling you like, I'm about to do this thing. Right. So having knowledge of something doesn't necessarily prevent it. And so when this food was not there, I was just like, I was like overly upset. And I remember like trying to find out like what alternative food I could have. And then I tried to sub in something else and it tasted even worse. So then I was like annoyed by that up until the point that like literally till I went to sleep, it was still bothering me. And that's kind of like when I like step back and reassess things. Now the, the plus side is having the experience you and I do, we can look at that and then make an assessment of it rather than it just becoming this perpetual cycle. So I could step back and say, all right, that's a problem. Like, I don't want that to continue to be the case. Just like you were able to say that with like other examples that you've given of like, this is a problem that needs to be adjusted versus maybe somebody who doesn't have the knowledge base. Like that could just be how they go about it for years. You know I mean? That's unfortunately that, that does happen. So um, it was actually in, in hindsight, pretty funny 
that like this random dessert I was going to have was like this big deal that I could have literally like any other time. But we sometimes we like create this importance of something that the average person would be like, who the hell cares about that? Like, just do eat this the next day. You know, I mean, I think a lot of these stories, they almost kind of tie in because at base level, it's an obsession and neuroticism and an over-focus on the importance of things that the average person would just really not put too much emphasis on. And I think, you know, you could even tie that back into your first question of, does this make you happier overall? And I think there is so much potential for this endeavor to make your life so much better. But in doing so, you need to make sure that you're focusing on the important things and uh, just trying to go more big picture there. It's when you start focusing on these little details, like that's when you need to step back. And I, I think that's a big message that you and I both have. Yeah, honestly, um, the funny thing is that uh, I actually wanted to make a YouTube video uh, on this, uh, and I'm kind of hesitating whether I whether I should make it because it's a little bit gimmicky the whole thing. But it's basically if I could give myself one advice, you know, looking back, you know, people do these videos like one thing I wish I knew when I started lifting and whatever. And it's always things like. I wish I knew that I have to use full range of motion or to track my calories or eat enough protein and in these things. And to me, honestly, all of those things are, I mean, okay, I wish I wish I knew that, but I mean, I figured it out anyway, pretty soon. So who cares? But this thing, right. which we talked about, and you talked about this uh, with Eric Helms, and like we talked about, it's a lot of people will not... I mean, they will hear the message, but they will not realize how important it really is because it sounds kind of like one of these sure. bullshit things that people just say and we just become numb to the idea. But really the concept of just enjoying the process, as I'm saying it now, it's such a bullshit cliche thing to say, but really for the longest time, I did not enjoy this whole process. And I used to, when Berge, Fagerli and these people would say things like, you know, where's the rush? You're going to achieve your genetic potential anyway over time. Like, why do you have to try to achieve it next year? Like, why are you risking injury in the gym by doing all this volume and whatever? Just take it steady and slow. And in the moment, it sounds ridiculous because you feel like you're in such a rush to achieve all of these things. Um, but I really wish that I could have just enjoyed myself more because now that I'm pretty much maxed out or very close to it, it's like, man, it was a lot of fun, you know, each year setting that goal of I'm going to be this big this year or I'm going to get this lean. And now that I've done most of those things, it's like, man, it would be so nice if I still had that. I wish I enjoyed it a bit more while I had it. So that, that that's a really big lesson there. But actually, it's funny because as, as you said, told me that story at the time. Uh, my first reaction was, man, you actually handled that pretty nicely. <laughs> like I did way worse <laughs> things in, in situations yeah. like that. I think um, maybe this would be like kind of like my closing point. It, I, I don't think I mentioned this on the last podcast. I think it was something I messaged you in a, in a voice message was this almost sounds like a uh, like something that you'd like read on some like bullshit, like motivational poster or whatever. And it doesn't even, it doesn't even make sense. But like I was trying to think of a, a good way to word this and it's going to sound ridiculous at first. So let me explain it. But it was like, oh, like live as if you're coming from the future. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of us will think back to past periods of time where it should have been really enjoyable. And if we could go back to that time for like a day or a week, we'd probably really appreciate it. Right. You know, especially I think the older you get, I, I think if you take a lot of like, you know, 
40-year-olds if they think, hey, you can have a week living back in college time or whatever it is, you know, and like they would really revel in that period of like, wow, like I'm younger, I'm fitter, maybe I'm better looking, whatever it is, like, and even in some of the bad times, like places where I remember at that time thinking like, I didn't want to be there or whatever. When I think back to it, maybe it's like some uh, rosy retrospection, but there's this kind of nostalgia about it where it's like, man, like that really could have been a better time. Like high school, I think of like how frustrated I was at my lack of gains and just like a lot of things that, you know, I would objectively say my life is probably better now than then, like relative to like my cohort, you know, like I am in way better shape than most people my age was back then. I was probably middle of the road. You know, I am better looking than I used to be. You know, I have a great job, like just in general, things are probably objectively better. But if I could go back there for a week and it'd be like, man, like you're seeing like all these friends, you're like having these experiences that like you maybe forgot about. I think in that, you know, week, let's say that you're living in the past, you would appreciate it so much more. And and I think, you know, in most cases, and I think 10 years from now, probably you, me, we're probably going to look back at this period and say like, man, like these things that we worried about, a lot of them weren't as big of a deal, or I really should have appreciated like, look at how I can do this time. Like, look at, you know, um, you know, a sad example is you look at somebody like um, Flex Wheeler. Do you follow like anything in the IFB, the IFBB much, Abel? Is, is he the one who got his leg amputated? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so he probably had a period, you know, a few years back where he was maybe complaining about like having to do X, Y, Z. And if he was back then, he'd probably be so appreciative that he just has a leg, right? And as like, obviously that's a kind of morbid example, but I do think this really applies to like lifting and bodybuilding and, and all this stuff, but really just life in general, there's probably so much that we fret about and worry about that if, if we if we were like back at that time, we'd be like thinking like how enjoyable it could be. So uh, I just think it's something that like, you know, 10 years from now, what are you gonna be thinking about this period of time? And hopefully you can enjoy it, you know, and, and did, that meal that we didn't get <laughs> matter that much or that that food wasn't there or that we had to do this different thing with a workout. I think we'd just be so happy that like we could be in the gym working out, doing something that we love rather than like really freaking out. And the neuroticism that you and I see in our clients, you know, that's one of the reasons I, I like to work with people is I see that. And I just, if, if I can reach them and get them to have that change of mindset, that to me is a huge win because I see my old self in a lot of my clients and it's like man like i know exactly what you're feeling and like i can't emphasize enough how much we need to change your perspective on things yeah yeah no that's uh that's very well said and it's um i know this will reach some people this message for some people it will be they just won't be able to resonate with it but it's it's so true that i look back at a lot of periods in my life where I can remember that I did not enjoy myself. In fact, it was a struggle. Like my first year in college, that, I mean, I'm pretty sure I, at one point I could have been diagnosed with depression. That's when I actually took up lifting because I needed some outlet. But uh, mm. it, it was a horrible period. Like I was at home a lot of the times, alone. I was avoiding people. and But still looking back, I'm just thinking of all the freedom, how burdenless that whole period was. But... Um, one thing about that, though, is the world around you is doing a really good job at making you feel like this whole thing that you're going through right now 
like there's a lot at stake and there mm-hmm. is in a way like even in high school like you you should not fail your grade ideally right but in the grand scheme of things not failing your grade is so easy even getting decent grades is pretty easy if you're like somewhat intelligent but yeah i mean even in high school i mean the teachers and everybody it was like it was made out to be something like you know it's you have to be disciplined and this is so serious and oh my god you were late from class and whatever and looking back like man nobody gave a shit like we could have done anything pretty much like it could have been such such a more fun time and it was still pretty good but yeah i just wish i enjoyed those times a lot more but it's a it's not easy like i know that that what you're saying is true of me right now and i'm not hating life but i wouldn't say that i'm thrilled by my day-to-day existence you know but i'm pretty sure one day i will look back at this and we'll be like man that was the time so it's it's really really right, hard right. Yeah, well, this is becoming quite the philosophy podcast we've got going on. Yeah, yeah. So my my number three is um, sort of actually very similar to yours. And that is basically the asshole that I became during certain diets. And I think I didn't speak about this that much. I hinted at it here and there on in videos and stuff that I was not really my myself, basically, during this photo shoot diet. But man, looking back... I can just not understand certain things that I did and the way I behaved. And uh, I really hit a low point in in many, many ways. And in the moment, of course, I felt that it was all justified because, yeah, I'm going to get these awesome photos. And I was sort of planning, this is a little bit embarrassing to say, but I was kind of planning that a new period will begin for me where I will be this, like, maybe not a Jeff Cavalier (laughs) type person, but this very lean guy who is always super lean and, like, teaching people how to stay super lean because I was just so inspired by what I was doing, basically. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. my God, like, I've never seen my body like this. This is incredible. I have veins everywhere. I'm so lean. Like, I have abs without flexing. This is is unbelievable. Right, right. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so I I felt like the, you know, end was justifying the means. But, you know, at, at a certain time, I was basically just putting everything aside for my goal. And... Just, just a couple of things that I can think of. I, I was visiting my parents at a certain point. To be honest, part of that was I just wanted to spend a few days just away from everybody, just being completely isolated. And, uh, you know, my parents were like working during the day and whatever. So I could just chill in the house and be alone and hit my workouts, eat my food. So it was a pretty good retreat on that front. And then my mother approached me at one point and she wanted to talk about some serious things. Uh, There were some talks of me and my girlfriend moving back uh, to Hungary and things like that. And I remember I was just giving her this really short answer of like, well, she wanted to go out to eat. And, you know, as you can imagine at that point, like near the end of the diet, how much I wanted to go out to a restaurant to eat. Right. And uh, I was just giving this really kind of short, abrupt, sort of rude answer of like, I don't want to do that. And like, we can talk another time. Like, why do we have to make this big deal out of this? Uh, That was an asshole move. Uh, I remember my girlfriend inviting me to some event, which is, um, have you seen the movie? I think it's called My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Long time ago. Yeah, so if anybody has seen that is this, I think, American guy who 
gets into this Greek family because uh, he likes this girl and they're going to get married and the whole family is making this big fuss and he's like an alien in their world. Like this, these Balkan people and this American guy, like the whole thing is just so weird to him. And that guy's story is kind of my story in Macedonia. Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't... I like being here, but I don't really belong here. Like the people are so different than me. Like I'm a pretty introverted person and people here are very like in each other's face, like very like touchy, huggy, loud, whatever. It's like, ugh, you know, gets way too much for me very fast. And there is this one yearly event where all these people gather, like, I don't know, 100 people in a house and just really loud music, food everywhere, drinks everywhere. And... I, I don't like being there that much because I just, man, like it's like being on the moon or something. I just don't right. know what to do with myself there. <laughs> and I had to go there like at the tail end of my diet. And my girlfriend was like, you know what? You can leave at midnight if you want, but just be there, please. It's really important for me that you're there. And I went there at like 10 and I left at midnight and everybody was looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, uh, this is, <laughs> it was just beginning at that point. But I was like, no, no, like I'm leaving at midnight. Like I have to wake up early the next day. Right. And even that, like looking back, like, man, I was like so selfish and whatever. And uh, honestly, it was just a good learning experience. Uh, I heard these stories from everybody. Like Eric Helms, for example, now was amazing with his contest prep. He was traveling conferences this and that but i mean from what i've heard the first time around he almost ruined his marriage because he was just turning into a not so nice person by the end of it so um yeah that's uh that was a valuable learning experience i don't know if you have any follow-up on that yeah i mean it's just i mean the nice thing is it seems for the most part and i guess maybe you don't hear about the ones who don't but <laughs> it seems like there is a general growth when you any of the 3dmj guys you know you me like we tend to get better at it over time and you know that's um you know we won't get into this whole topic but the whole thing of um, metabolic damage and people talking about oh like you've ruined your metabolism if that were true each subsequent cut would get harder and harder and yet most people both physically but also mentally seem to get better with subsequent cuts and subsequent contest preps um and i mean obviously at some point age is going to be a factor from the physical standpoint but mentally it seems like a lot of those guys have really gotten better at the process of dieting and and i'm sure that's something like when you do your next you know quote-unquote contest prep when you get really lean you'll do it even better than you did this past time yeah actually just this last time uh i met with my girlfriend for lunch and she said, uh, let's go to that place. Uh, do you remember? We had a fight there one time. I was like, fight? Like, wh- when was that? And like, she mentioned the place like, oh, yeah, yeah, there we did have a fight. <laughs> and uh, what happened was, so that was right after my diet. And my plan was to not to stay at 7% body fat, but to just take it like really slow. So maybe like go up by a percentage body fat a month at most or something. So maybe in like a year, I would be at whatever, maybe 12% body fat. So I really wanted to take it slow. And that's when it dawned on me at the end of the diet that, you know, all these people around me, especially my girlfriend, was waiting for her boyfriend to return to normal, right? And then for me, and then I realized like what my idea actually meant in practice, which is the diet is not over. Okay, it was like three, four months, but now there is another you know, God knows how many months until I will be somewhat functional. And I was like, so not present. I was like always thinking about that, like, man, can I really do this? 
And then my girlfriend started this conversation at this uh, dinner, like, hey, so you're kind of distant. I don't know. Like, um, it, it seems like you're just trying to get through the times we spend together as, as efficiently as possible. And I almost had this like nervous breakdown of like how difficult this whole thing is for me. And I'm just trying to avoid people and I'm really trying my best. Can she see that and whatever? And yeah, that was, that was I think, the lowest low that I hit throughout this whole thing when basically it was uh when it all culminated in my head and that's when i kind of made the call that no I, I just cannot do this like i have to speed this process up i need to gain fat quicker but i can promise to everybody and to myself the next time i get really lean i will try to take it slower <laughs> yeah man uh but i think uh it was a good note to end on um what you mentioned about enjoying the process and having a bit of a longer term view on this and trying to act like as if you're coming from the future and it's tough. It's, it's a skill to learn for people. But I think if anybody can pull that off, I think they will be much better off. So I think that's a good point to end on. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, just mention where people can find you as usual. Yeah. I mean, people probably know at this point, but Brains and Gains on YouTube and on Instagram. It is Dave underscore McConey. Website is drdavemcconey.com.